The Raw Rugby Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Raw Rugby Podcast. I'm Brett McKay. In episode 45, the Autumn Nation Series moves into the dessert stage in Cardiff and at Twickenham this weekend. And your place for the biggest and best rugby discussion is the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate. Loved having Andy McGeady on last week's episode. Uh, great to get the Irish perspective. Uh, and the Wallabies very nearly played out Andy's fears exactly as well. It's another big response as well to Sunday morning's very immediate instant reaction pod, which we started recording with the test in Dublin still in its final minutes. And plenty of you had your say on the Raw as you can each week, and you can hit us up on the socials as well. Joining me this and every week, a man fresh from surviving a week in the Utah desert, but only just Harry Jones, mate. You How's look it? like you've been you look like you've been at the bottom of several rucks. <laughs> I got two cuts on my face, my nose is you know, pretty bunged up, and I've got one long, very long cut on my shin that goes from my knee to my ankle. It's like a surgical, like a sushi knife. Um, everything in the desert wants to kill you. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I met a guy out there. He, he was actually witness to my fall. Um, Paul, his name is Paul. He's an Englishman, lovely guy. He supports Brentford in football. Not a rugby man, but during the All Blacks England match, which was in my ears as we were climbing and maybe, maybe contributed to my fall, <laughs> uh, I was trying to get him worked up, and at the very end, as we were finishing our hike, uh, I told him about Marcus Smith kicking the ball into touch. And his response was, as a football man, he said, but it's a friendly. And uh, I, was, yeah, I right. said, there's no friendlies in rugby. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it told me everything about our two respective sport, our wonderful sports. And I wondered, yeah. um, you know, have we got to the point in rugby where maybe we are getting into a friendly? I'd love to talk to, to you about that later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Look, it's it's not the first time I've heard that suggested. You may well be, you may well be onto something. We might even put that to this week's guest, who I'm looking really looking forward to chatting to, uh, the final legitimate conclusion to our series of theme pods for each week of the Spring Tour. The Raw Rugby Podcast. To the pod's London studio this week, we're joining us to bring all the details of the Welsh fear and anger and frustration this week is the editor of Rugby Pass Plus, Owen Jones. Owen, great to have you on the pod. Lovely. Great time in there, Brett, wasn't it, to uh, have me on the pod after <laughs> one of our most humiliating losses in a very, very long and esteemed history. Yeah, it's um, it's been a tale of pain and, and navel-gazing, really, over the last few <laughs> days, which has been lifted slightly by uh, our little country of three million uh, taking on the might of 300-plus million Americans and Gareth Bale, but I mean that's the other sport that we're not supposed to talk yes, about. Yes, yes. It's probably you know the 80th minute penalty lifted lifted spirits because it's been a a pretty um, grim kind of you know, couple of days post post Georgia. <laughs> well, shut all the all the quips, but yeah, bad 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 times. And 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 we feel the pain because because we we Australians and Wallabies fans did exactly all that last week against Italy. So we're 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 feeling you, no doubt. Welsh rugby will be selling, sending Gareth Bale a, a a thank you hamper this week for for get, getting them off the back page. Um, 
it, it is great to, to be able to complete our spring tour pods with a with a genuine Welshman. It's um, it's, it's it's great to have you on. We've we've read your your stuff on Rugby Pass from from afar. Um, a question without notice: Has have the World Rugby Overlords taken over Rugby Pass yet? Yes, but there's been no difference to yeah. you know. Obviously, I'm expecting them to treble my salary and kind of you know start you know, <laughs> driving around in there. You know, in limos and private jets, that hasn't happened at all. My life has not changed what one iota. Um, as you say, we've been told just to carry on uh, as we are. So I'm, mm. I'm doing exact, exactly that. There's been no taps on my shoulder yet, yet, chaps. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's very, very, very early days. I think that sale was announced about five or six weeks ago. So it yeah, it's going to say about six weeks ago, it feels like. Yeah, yeah. I think it was actually the night before the, the Women's World Cup started those and that's right. clearly as somebody who works there I'd, I'd heard something was in the offing but it was a bit like um a Premier League transfer you kind of hear about it at <laughs> several levels above you but until it actually gets over the line you you don't know whether it's going to happen um yeah yes in very interesting times I think is, uh, is my stand my stock response to all the journalists asking me about it yeah all valid uh, shall see yeah all valid uh, we start in the same place every week and that is a simple matter of what stood out for you, Owen, on this busy weekend of rugby just gone? Um, well, I was, you know, given I live about half an hour north of London, I went to the uh, New Zealand-England game. Uh, I thought the All Blacks were actually superb for 71 minutes. Uh, I went to the presser mm. afterwards. Ian Foster said he had two press conferences you know, prepared one for the first 71 minutes, the second for the last <laughs> nine minutes. And it, and it couldn't be truer. Honest, mm. Honestly, 25-6 up, weren't they? 71 minutes, you know, England, they kept them, they nilled them for 71 minutes. There's 82,500 people there. And, I, you know, I did think the All Blacks were such a different side to what we'd seen in the summer against Ireland, you know, losing... That, that series, you know, they lost to Argentina. They were really in a bit of a, a mess. Now, I'm thinking, having lived over in the north, that maybe the magic hands of Joe Schmidt, you know, Jason Ryan from the Crusaders must have made a difference. But it was a bit, you know, we can't, you know, make no bones about it. I was with the All Blacks on Friday, um, did an interview with a rather um, um, prestigious kind of, uh, all black, can't ne- ne- name him just just, just yet. Um, <laughs> but Ian Foster was very close to losing his job if we listen to yeah. press, and he had to make the bold move to get rid of the John Plumtree and Brad Moore uh, and replace them. Um, and they just look more like the All Blacks that we know. They yeah. they are almost like a, an impersonation of the All Blacks, you know, early, earlier on in, in 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 our summer. We just didn't recognise that side, but they'd have been seven wins on the spin. Uh, you know, won a rugby championship, but yeah, you can, and it's hard to throw, you know, all the blame at, at Bowden Barrett, you know, that yellow card, he's obviously trying to prevent a try, but, you know, obviously a lot of the English press are saying, you know, why can't England play like that all the time? But clearly there was 14 all blacks on the pitch yeah. in that last 10 minutes. And what I'd like to see with the Opta guys or the stats guys is which 10 minutes is generally the most painful 10 minutes to lose a player to the bin, you know, when do you ship most points? Because you would think that common sense mm. says in those last 10 minutes when you're when the lungs and the lactic acids building up is is when you when you get pain. But it's a kind of 
just a crazy end to that 19 mm. points in eight and eight and a half minutes. So yeah, I was, uh, that was taking my mind off Georgia, if I'm honest. But, um, <laughs> that, that but yeah, that was, that was, um, you know, certainly there in person. Um, yeah. That, obviously part of my mind was, was thinking about Cardiff. Yeah. Yeah. There was uh, certainly a lot going on in those last 10 minutes, Harry, what, um, what, what did you, what stood out for you? What did you hear? I suppose is the question. If you didn't see much rugby over the weekend. I saw everything else. Just the All Blacks uh, was in my ear, and I so I think three three big moments for me. One is how sextonless Ireland is, mm. really without a rudder. And so, not that anyone would ever do this, but in a World Cup, if someone just smashed Johnny Sexton in the first minute of a match, I think Ireland's done. Uh, mm. I, I, I don't think they can uh, perform their highly fractalized, incredibly complicated attack patterns. Uh, and it just it goes to 13 points or um, it, it slides down and they have half the, uh, the output when they have no sexton at the, the till. Mm. Um, New Zealand, England, I felt like those were two teams that have been dreaming and frothing and, and, and imagining that match, that, re- that revenge match. I don't think either team are better than the 2019 version of themselves. And so that's a worry for both coaches. Um, and then finally, the, the joy on Georgia, um, on, the, on the Georgian players' faces. Yeah. It reminds you of what a big deal it is for that country and how, how, how yeah. hard they have to fight. And uh, even if you were the most dyed-in-the-wool Welsh supporter, you had to look at that and just say, wow, look at those guys celebrating. Mm. You know, it was, it was yeah. kind of fun to see grown men crying and running around like that. Yeah, it was not, not unlike... The scenes we've seen with with a couple of Argentinas, well, Argentina at Twickenham only a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? It was yeah, very very similar scenes. Um, for for mine, it's it's wasn't it's not a great one for me, and it's the simple fact that yet again it's injuries just haunting mm. the Wallabies this year. the The list runs now to well over forty for the year. Six Wallabies have headed home after the Island Test um, with Nick White ruled out with a with a concussion as well so he's the sixth and Taniela Tupo is the fourth player to go down with an Achilles rupture this year uh, now when I won four four Achilles injuries in the space of you know four or five or seven years seems like a lot but four in 12 months can you ever remember anything like that no I, re- I really can't and um you know I did a piece with Nick Gill at the uh, Sorry, the All Blacks S and C, and you know, I dare I mention it again, but big Liverpool fan, big, and you know they've had their their problems, with, and you start mm. thinking about, well, is it is it the conditioning? Is there something happening? Mm. It's look, I'm not you know best place to answer that, but that is horrendous luck, isn't it? Yeah. And again, it, it, does it now become that? What's what's an Achilles injury? Could be six nines. Does it start impacting your World Cup plans? Is it? Oh yeah. Will have any rugby behind them? And again, we know that medical science is has kind of kicked on, but they're, 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 they're serious injuries and, you know, do not mm. want to think about human battering rams like Taniela Tupo, you know, no. missing out on the on the tournament. So horrendous. And, you know, Australia doesn't have the player depth of England or, or France or maybe the All Blacks, you know, like, mm. like, like us Welsh. So you're running out of bodies, aren't you? And, 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 yeah. and, that, and that's yeah. not good. <laughs> no, quite quite literally, as, as is the case on, on the tour at the moment, I've just, just been doing... Just been doing the sums, and I think from a 
a squad of 36, which became well, th- yeah, was it was there's 37 players named Matt Phillip left before before the tour. Um, I think they're down back down to about 27 this week. Um, Bernard Foley and Will Skelton have gone back to their club, so there's not many. There might only be 10 fit backs for this weekend, so it's it's going to be it is, as you say, as you said early on. Uh, oh, and it is a really, really interesting weekend for for Australia and Wales to come together for for so many reasons. So, tell us tell us how how it looks from the Welsh ang- angle. What's what's the what's the fallout been like since that Georgia loss? I mean, firstly, I'd say that with Australia, Wales have won three in the bounce against them. I think it's yep. thirty wins. You know, Australians have had thirty victories or twenty nine victories mm. in a draw. <laughs> from my from memory. So generally Australia, I think it went nearly a decade, didn't they? Curtly Beale was someone yeah. we never ever wanted to see ever again in Cardiff. <laughs> Wales have just about nudged the last few kind of games. And what Wales have done, and I think Wayne Pivak alluded to it, he's 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 kind of fed up of having to bounce back because at the start of 2022, absolutely demolished by an island side with Johnny Sexton that plays some beautiful rugby, blew us away in Dublin. Pressure's on next week, beat Scotland, okay, in a really gritty, tense encounter. You know, then lose to Italy for the first time ever at the Principality Stadium. Last game, or pretty much the last minute, Andrzej Capozzo passing inside to Padovani, Q delirium, similar to Georgia. Of course, Wales totally written off. Go out to South Africa, play out their skin in the first test, lose literally mm. by a last minute kick, then win the second test. Completely unexpected. Never. Had never won on South African soil before. You know, the caveat that they made 14 changes. You know, and again, stuffed, you know, 55 points to an all-black side, which isn't the best side I've ever seen. I think they've actually improved through the the kind of autumn tour. So they are managing to kind of come back, you know, and, you know, land the kind of, you know, back off the ropes, aren't they, a few times. Yeah. So. That's the fear, I think, for Australia is they've got, you know, they lost to Georgia. The public will really be on their back. So for the third, fourth mm. time this year, can they finally kind of find it to kind of end the season on high? That's what I'd be worried about with Australia. Mm. Massive inconsistencies, but they have been able to kind of come back. It's a, it's a curious one, Harry, isn't it? And we've talked about, you know, revenge factor from the Wallabies and needing to get a result. And it feels like we've been talking about that every week for the last six months. So now we've got two teams who have been very up and down in, in 2022. Uh, you saw Wales fairly fairly closely when they, they played the box in the Republic early in this year. What have you made of it of them? And, and, and how do we try and look ahead to this game this weekend? Yeah, so I, it's interesting about Wales, right? Wales... If you put a team a team sheet down of Welsh players, it looks uh, magnificent. I mean, just think of the players they can mm. put on the field: mm. Liam Williams, <clears throat> um, Josh Adams, uh, George North. Uh, anyone he's fit, Dan Bigger. Um, you've got big uh, Alex Cuthbert on the other wing. You've got one of the best number eights in the world, Telepifalatau. Uh, Will Rowlands was one of the best young yeah. uh, forwards in the Six Nations. Um, you've got a lot, plenty of lions, plenty of spirit. Uh, the whole nation lives and breathes rugby. Um, when I was in Cardiff to watch Wales play France, 
they were written off and they, it was 13-8. And if Foxy Davis had caught the pass, it would have been uh, maybe a win for Wales. Um, and, that was, mm. and that was when the French had to win that match and they put everything on it. But Wales is really good at negating other teams' strengths. They struggle when they have to uh, develop the speed on their own, like, a, you know, like a, a bad service tennis player, but really good at getting the ball back. Um, yeah. And so it's it's interesting um, for me to watch why why is Wales not performing so well, and I, my only response would be, and it's the same with the Wallabies, they're playing to the level of their opposition, which is a very big trap yeah. in sport. If you ever get into yeah. that trap, and I'm, I'm going to go to tennis as well as I play a lot of tennis, when you do that and you're supposed to roll over uh, another person, you're in a seeded tournament, and I'm number two, and I'm playing you know number fifteen. And why is it six four six four? Why is it? Why yeah. do I even lose a set? It's because you don't don't know how to actually imprint your game style and force it on a lesser opponent. And so I go to coaching there because the player team sheet looks good enough to me. Those are some smart players. They're mm. very quick, very strong, uh, and and you would pick them if you were matching them up for a Lions team right now. So many of them would make it. So uh, there's something that you know the. The, the regime that's replaced um, Gatlin has not really found their their doctrine. And I've said that mm. many a time on this part about um, Dave Rennie. I don't know what the Dave yeah. Rennie doctrine is, instead of ex- except for play hard, play bravely, uh, smash hard, you know, walk tall and, you know, rupture your Achilles. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's a coaching instruction. I think that's just happening. I, I think it's connected. I don't. I don't buy this uh, terrible coincidence problem about Achilles and soft tissue. I, I, maybe it's nutrition. I don't know, but mm. it's something going on where this, where they're they're prizing too much the the collision and not a, not enough uh, the space. I, I I'm mm. not sure, but it just seems bizarre that you would have that many injuries. A year ago, Wales did too, or maybe earlier in the year. I mean, Wales was walking wounded too, so. I, I don't know. I, I look at the squad. I look at the Welsh squad, and I don't see any lack of quality. I see some mm. very fine. I see the back line that is just as good as any other back line out there. So, uh, so where did it where did it go south then? Uh, Owen for for Wales last weekend in Cardiff. Um, I mean, they built up a you know their twelve three uh, lead. They were looking fairly comfortable in the first half. I think Thomas Williams did a little. He used to be, funny enough, he's the smallest man on the side. But I think he used to be an international, or he basically represented basketball at a younger age. Mm. With us. I think actually it was against Australia in the quarterfinals, wasn't it, in the World Cup that he did that incredible where he kind of jumped back almost out of touch and, oh, and yes. back, back in, which was yes. an incredible yes. piece of skill. But he, yeah, he flicked it off to Josh Adams, who kind of you know kicked away, did a, a balletic kind of finish in the corner, but it was a forward pass, clearly. That, that p- puts it to kind of, 196 or three, and Wales have got distance, but it was chalked off again later mm. on in the second half. Talupe Falatau, who'd come on to try and you know shore things up and take the game, had a lovely little left footed kick down the left hand side, you know, managed to regather. But and I think it was Jack Morgan who was on for his hat trick of tries, you know, plopped over the line. But uh, obviously, the replay showed that Talupe Falatau had, had knocked on, so that try mm. was chalked. Off. So then you're getting, I would say that the, the replacements can be criticized. There's a saying yeah. I have called that we're all winners in the hindsight Olympics. You know, everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And, you know, he brought on Rodri Jones, who really doesn't get much kind of get game time at all. He's at the Ospreys. He's been at a few regions now. Never kind of first choice pick. And Sam Wainwright, who's barely played, you know, five games to Saracens. He's now moving back to the Scars. He's 24, six foot two, 125 kgs. But when you're in the squeaky bum time of a really tight international and people are tense, they basically got that front row. And David Jenkins is another kid, right? At 19 years of age, fathers these, these rugby plays, plays his rugby down at Exeter Chiefs. He'd captained the week before, came on. He is going to be a big staff for us, but he's 19. So you've got four members mm. of that front five. And Bradley Roberts is another who's barely played the game. He's quite small. He's kind of a South African expat, you know, guy who's playing for Wales. And and the, the, the scrum got absolutely destroyed. Kind of gave away a penalty once, which obviously allowed them to go in front. And then right at the end, when Wales had a, their own put in, the uh, Georgian pack, which had a 19-year-old tight to themselves. They had eight injuries. I think that's probably forgotten. Everyone will say, well, Wales went full strength or we didn't have the full side. George Ross had injuries. They ma- they marmalised Wales at the scrum. And I think that's what hurts yeah. a lot of proud Welshmen is that we it's kind of that we didn't want it enough. And we and yeah. as you said, it, they do have quality. I think they're eight lions in the 23. And this is where it goes back to, you know, what sorry, Wayne Pivak, a lot of people do this. <laughs> He's had 33 games. He's only won. 10, a few of them have been mitigating. There's mm. been red cards on the other sides. We are three years down the line and we don't know what Wales are going to turn up. You know, you're with Gatland. I know he had criticism for the game plan, Warren Ball, as we always called it. <laughs> but you kind of knew what you were going to get. And you yeah. Know, well, yeah. You know, Wayne Pivak was there to come and kind of add the panache, add that flair, that Zradivivo, you know, the offloading game. And it just hasn't really happened uh, and it's just again w- Wales may beat Australia on Saturday but it doesn't you know you know discount every previous result mm. suddenly mean you know they they again you know look you look at Italy Italy are making good, good inroads yeah France and Ireland are absolutely flying but for Wales nine tests to the World Cup after Saturday and don't know quite what what's going to happen it it's it sounds to me like and it's 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 actually felt like this has been the case for probably the last five or eight years that Wales and Australia are running very parallel to each other. The 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 situations are almost mirrored. Uh, you know, like even to the point of you mentioned Wayne Pivak's winning record there. It's Dave Rennie's what twelve from thirty three. So it's yeah, right. very 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 similar. Um, it's 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 really interesting how. How strong are they going to be this weekend? How affected by by the the world rugby window uh, this this test falling out of it? How how affected will Wales be this weekend? Well, probably their most you know penetrative kind of strike run, at least through Summit, who they've been trying out at fifteen. He's got to go back to Gloucester, yeah. uh, and our twelve uh, Nick Tompkins, who actually didn't play on against Georgia. No one's really quite sure why not, but he's been really a beacon of stability at 12. He's a really nice ball player, plays in a brilliant Saracen side. He'll be going back to Saracen. So they'll be having to fill gaps there. Owen Watkin, I would think, would come in at 12. You know, he's, he's played a couple of games at 12. Mm. Uh, 
Uh, Lee Halfpenny will probably, well, he obviously has got enormous, enormous experience for Luis Rees Summit. Mm. They've got a decision then. They'll probably keep Josh Adams on one wing and it'll be a toss-up between Rio Dyer, who's a 22-year-old flyer, or the experienced Alex Cuthbert. And you have to remember with Alex Cuthbert, I mean, didn't have his best game, dropped the ball from the kickoff, you know, was yellow-carded uh, in, in the second half, but he hadn't played a minute's rugby since South Africa. How can you yeah, expect right. him to yeah. kind of come back in at, at full lick uh, mm. when he's had that kind of you know, lack of lack of rugby? So that'll be, you know, whether... I think Alan Wynne Jones, remember him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 67 caps. Yeah. You know, I think he's been kind of, you know, written off in some quarters, very surprised by the beast, you know, Tende Matawari era saying, you know, every dancer needs to know when to kind of leave the dance floor. Kind of called him out on <laughs> on Twitter. But you would think that him and Ken Owen, they do offer leadership. But I think that was one of the criticisms at the end of that game. Wales were just looking around, it just did not. They'd gone quiet. Mm. They'd, they'd lost their their impetus completely. And you know, mm. for test sides with that many caps, that's that's not a great great place to be, is it? Yeah, no, certainly not. It, it, it's going to be intriguing, Harry, to see how it plays out because um, yeah, cer- certainly the Wallabies have had their frustrations on this spring tour. They had their frustrations for the Rugby Championship and for the England series before that as well. So it's hard to know where they. Uh, right now, we saw improvements in Dublin against Ireland, and that was uh, that was a welcome change from what we saw in Florence against Italy. So, how do you how do you see this playing out? Because they feel like they're two pretty closely matched teams to me. Yeah, it's a strange one, isn't it? It's almost like there's a leaky ship uh, wallaby floating around in the ocean, and it's kind of sinking. And then you have the the ship, the Welsh ship. And they almost need each other. They they welcome the collision because <laughs> yeah. maybe yeah. they can salvage enough uh, you know, planks to build a a, a raft. Um, you would think that this offers um, some sort of narrative for one of the other coaches, uh, whoever gets something out of this. Because right now, I think um, increasingly people are looking at Rennie and Pivac. Um, because the players on both sides are playing out of their skins. Maybe the Welsh do need a little bit more leadership, but the Wallabies have leaders mm. and they are playing hard. They're just playing very stupid sometimes. Yeah. And, and yeah. they are in, in almost an they're, they're almost at an inexorable up, down, up, down, up, down pattern. It has no reference to revenge anymore. It's just good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. But the one common theme throughout all the Wallaby matches is, is uh, needless, unnecessary penalties. And there are some yeah. good penalties. Everyone knows that. In rugby, you need to kill the five, uh, give the three sometimes. But I'm talking about on attack, when you have the ball and you're giving away uh, yeah. your, your patterns. That's the thing that's going to just uh, drive Rennie crazy. So why isn't it driving Rennie, Fisher, and McKellar crazy enough to stamp it out? Why is it not um, affecting their selection patterns? Why is it not changing the way they approach the rock? Uh, the rock, the crocodile has evolved from you know the jackal, the buffalo, the rhino, whatever. We, we go into all the animals, <laughs> but the, the fact remains is it's the most hyper scrutinized part of the game. Yeah. Referees, referees are on um, you know. World Rugby Rugby Pass has told them you have to find <laughs> you find miscreants at the rock. So they're going to look at you. And I just, you know, that 
I would say last week it was one of the best Wallaby performances because they held Ireland to, to almost nothing, but also the most excruciating to watch those mm-hmm. croc rolls come in when Ban O'Keefe was saying, don't touch the neck. So yeah. Yeah, you have two teams now that they can find each other. You know, it's almost like uh, they, they need each other. Wells and Australia need each other. Let's see yeah. what happens. Well, yeah. yeah I, I mean, well, I just, just jump, jump, jump in to say that it, you know, if, if we're really honest with ourselves, Wales and Australia are currently second tier. When you look at the world, yeah. who could win a World Cup, some could say that Ireland and France are the top. I don't think there's much to spare with them. And I, sorry, England and New Zealand and South Africa. There's kind of five teams at the moment. If we're, if you're kind of yeah. given a bit of a form guide on every side, they'd be the five that could win the World Cup. And we're, you know, that's, you know, the Wales, Australia, Scotland, Argent, Argentina, maybe throw, throw in a feed. There are about four or five sides in that second tier floating around trying to get into that top tier. And, mm. you know, I can say uh, as a Welsh from Wales, are well off, well off it. And I, mean, I haven't got into the issues off the field. We all know, you know obviously, with Australia, kind of four, four codes and money and participation mm. and so forth, so forth. But it, in Wales, we are... I don't know if you know this, but we're, I, I think, the fourth richest union by revenue in the world, just behind England, France and New Zealand. Just under, right. 100, just under 100 million kind of... Wow. Pounds sterling. There is a big generator that Principality Stadium. I think it has raised about seventy-five percent of the rev- revenue. Um, it's obviously seventy-five thousand strong. You know, they sell quite a few beers in there, which is had a bit mm. of criticism. But it's still really run by the amateur game in Wales. You know, the three hundred odd clubs can still call an EGM and, and vote out a, a chairman. And really, there's a yeah. real desire to uncouple. The amateur game, when we know that's the bedrock of rugby in Wales, the, the, the villages, the clubs, but we're a hundred million pound company. They've they've got to be run like a professional entity. Mm. Um, and so there are so many frustrations beneath the service. Our regional size have just become fairly mediocre. The Irish side just streets ahead of us, mm. pathways through the schools, the academies, the layer below that. The Welsh Premiership, they voted to extend it rather than contract, contract it to get more quality. Heaven knows why they've ex- extended it. There are just myriad issues below that test here. And they could, who knows, Wayne Pivak could lose and they could get rid of him and get Scott Robertson, which is the name on everyone's lips, isn't it? Or Rowan O'Gara. But it wouldn't get rid of the structural issues yeah. the Welsh Rugby Union that they need to modernise. So... Thought I'd give <laughs> throw that up there. No, look, it's it's, it's really <laughs> it's a really interesting perspective because we we often hear in Australia that 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 we need to look at what Ireland have done and what Wales should do as a as a bit of a model going forward. So everything that you've just laid out there, there'll be Australian rugby fans listening to this just going, yep. replace. Replace, you know, replace Cardiff Blues with Waratahs and replace Ospreys with, you know, with Queensland. And everything you're saying is 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 very much applying down here. You mentioned England being in that top five, and that intrigues me, Harry, because England got South Africa this weekend at at, at Twickenham, and I don't know, England England seem like they're in a funny place to me. I'll be intrigued to see hear your thoughts on that, and then Owen, you can. Tell us what you what you saw in person there at, at Twickers last weekend. 
Yeah, no, I don't, I don't see England in that top tier. Um, I think uh, of Eddie Jones um, is like a carnival barker selling snake oil. Um, you know, if you actually sit down and look at the results since 2019, he came out and said, we're going to make uh, England the best team in the world and we're going to be all about defense and uh, physicality. Then it was boring, even though it actually worked pretty well. And um, then he switched to like, we're going to do this in a seamless attack and then we're going to play what's in front of us. I have Marcus Smith, but never let him run the team. Um mm percent of the ball would go to through 12 and the rest through nine and then marcus would have a couple of scraps at the end never scored tries eight tries in an entire six nations most of that against italy uh finished not that different from scotland um just a, a hair above wales really in the six nations um i think uh he's living off um you know moments and he's you know getting some moments against new zealand there's a matchup problem there for new zealand by the way so um you know, England plays a little bit like South Africa when they are on, and that troubles New Zealand because it squashes and squeezes them. But against other teams they're supposed to put away, they're playing terribly. So I don't really trust England to be able to put together five wins in a row or six wins in a row in a World Cup. I can see New Zealand, South Africa, Ireland, and the French, who are all in the same part of the draw, doing that, but they're going to run into each other, knock two of them mm. out, and then, you know, Freaking Eddie's going to have his uh, moment in the sun. He'll be the semifinal again and say, look, see, I told you so. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't mean that he's top tier. It, it, they, England should be scoring more points. Um, and uh, that's just the, that's the plain, whole, cold, hard truth of it. Mm-hmm. And they have resources to burn. Um, I, I just find that so interesting. Interesting, I went about, about the, the resources of Wales. I had never really heard that before. And I, it makes me wonder, where does the money go? And where, mm. you know. This, this is it. This is <laughs> this, this this is it. And I think one thing that Ireland's got that uh, the Welsh haven't got is when the Welsh clubs in 2003, there were nine clubs, I think, in their first division, shall we say. And then it, the, the, obviously the game had been gone professional seven years ago. They realised they couldn't afford professional wages for nine teams. So they cut down to five in 2003. A year later, they got rid of one side, but like the force... With, with you guys, mm-hmm. they, they yeah. got, it's called the Celtic Warriors, which was an amalgamation of Pontypridd and Bregen, two great kind of cl- club names. But like England, Welsh rugby is based on clubs. But in Ireland, it was a much easier fit because I think historically the provinces of Ulster, Munster, Leinster have been around mm-hmm. for kind of a thousand years. So it was that yeah. sense of belonging and that sense of yeah. getting capped. Wales had none, none of that. Ireland is also the, the certainly rugby wise. It's quite a middle class, privately educated um, sport. Okay, they have a, an incredible school infrastructure with the private schools, the Black Rocks, the Saint Michael's. They are really just almost universities for breeding professional rugby players. In Wales, there are there are less private. Wales is a pretty working class place, right? We talk about yeah. the, mine, the farming. There are more private schools in Surrey, which is a little county in just kind of below London, there, mm. than there are the whole of Wales. So what yeah, this right. is the most talented Welsh players like Louis Rees Summit will go over the border. There's a place called Hartbury near Gloucester. And because he, he didn't feel that he could get the rugby education or level of coaching that he needed in Wales, there's a guy called Johan Lloyd. Uh, who, who plays at Bristol is a very, very gifted young, young kid. 
you know, I think Alex Cuthbert came from Hartbury. So some of the best Welsh young rugby players are getting literally cherry-picked to Millfields and all these schools around the southwest of and, and again, that is not that's not a good indictment of the pathway, is it? Mm. For, for us. And so Ireland had has always had advantages. And Ireland, you know, they are able somehow to lure these incredible kind of players. You think of uh, the Damien Delons, the RG Snymans, the Dougie Howlett's yeah. before that, the Scott Fardies. Yeah. yeah. Wales haven't had a marquee Southern Hemisphere player since Marty Holan about 2007. Um, you know, we got Justin Marshall there at the back end of his career. You know, you look at well, I don't know what it felt like for you guys seeing, you know, Mac, Mac Hansen kind of nearly uh, doing that lovely inside. Yeah, well, Finley Beelan's <laughs> there. You, know, you got, um, what's it called? The Jameson Gibson Park as yeah. skirts, skirts, skirts through. Um, you know, the Welsh, sorry, the Scots and the Irish have, have been pretty canny, haven't they? And you know, you look at DTH, yeah. nowhere, but getting sledged by Julian. Montoya, I don't think he's from the kind of gobbles of Glasgow, is he? Wales up really. I'm thinking, boys, you're missing a trick, yeah. <laughs> Should yeah. we go? You know, we and yeah, so and yeah, so there are yeah, look, we 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 know the sport inside out. You know, if you look outside looking in, you think, look, there's some really, really good Welsh players there, but I suppose I'm hopefully giving a bit of a uh a look under the bonnet, really, isn't it? Mm. Of why there It'll are be... these, these issues. If they can uh, if they can ever put that that sort of revenue, you know, into the right direction and all that and stops the, you know, the Dan Biggers of the world going for, going to Northampton. He's about to go to Toulon now, isn't he? Yeah. So, you know, if you can stop that slide crossing the border, then who knows what, what Wales might be. Rugby on the Raw. Uh, I'm fascinated to, to, to think ahead a little bit, Owen, and, and we look at, Pool C of the World Cup next year, and and again, it's it's timely because we're talking Wales, Australia, Fiji, Georgia, and Portugal, and it feels. I mean, we the, the thing in the thing in Australia, Australian World Cups is that we're always in the pool of death, and yet yet again, it sort of feels like this is a pool that could go a few different ways, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I think before Saturday, most Welsh were privately concerned about Fiji after 2007 mm. getting beaten out in Nantes. You think of the Joshua Tuasovas and Albert Tuasovas. I mean, they've got some just, they will always have some incredible broadcasts. But, you know, Vern Cotter, he can show he can do it at the top level. They've got an administrator called Mark Evans, who's highly respected around the world. Mm. Yeah. Mel- Melbourne storms it with you guys. He spent time in Australia. They mm. seem to get some of the building blocks that they could do something. And now, of course, Georgia have got that in a landmark win. So it's not just about can Wales turn over Australia because they always seem to face each other in the kind Mm. of pool stages. In World Cups particularly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah, exactly. And it's suddenly talking about banana skins in the plural. Um, So I Mm. think that's probably the conundrum that is probably, you'd hope, keeping the WRU up at night, thinking it's, it's, you know, just being able to flip-flop and stumble into a quarterfinals and i guess i, I guess australia would be the same yeah. isn't just the formality is it i mean portugal just incredible story how they can make it to a world cup how many chances the usa were given you know i think there's obviously rumors now eddie jones could be going in for the mother of all kind indeed. of indeed 
Indeed. No jobs to 2031 because, as we know, world rugby, another global game, it, it's the golden goose. The USA is where everybody yeah. wants the game to be able to grow to a to a size that could benefit the, you know, one a marketeer once told me that rugby isn't a global game. It's an international game. It's played almost in the old British Empire. Mm, you know, yeah. And, and, and a few other sides. It's and, and I, I kind of I can see where he's coming from that. You know, 220 odd countries and probably 10, 12 countries that play at a very, you know, competitive level. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so where does the group go at the moment? Wales should be very, very nervous about getting out of that group. Mm. I can imagine, Harry, there'd be there'd be a few coaches in that group would be a bit nervous. Yeah, but it's really the pool of life, let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a friendly coming up in Cardiff. Australia and Wales should have a handshake before. No one get injured. No one do too many tackles. Uh, get to the pool. The, you, guys, you guys are both going to get out. You could even drop a game and still get out because the problem with the other three teams is none of them can can actually get out. So they're not gonna, they could put an upset. I mean, Georgia mm. could win. But it's like Japan in uh, 2015. They didn't get out of the out of the pool. So um, no, I, th- I think that that's a great. I think Wales and Australia are going to be in the quarterfinals. I think the bigger um, the bigger thing is will they get into the quarterfinals with enough people healthy with a game plan that works against who they face next? Uh, that's the big worry, you know. And mm. it's it's almost like Ireland has been forever in a quarterfinal exit. Um, you look right now, and you'd have to say Australia and Wales exit in the quarterfinals. Um, it sort of feels like that. Yeah, yeah. And so that's that's the thing is, how, could they change that narrative? Wales has an excellent opportunity in my mind. <clears throat> like you know, beat the Wallabies now, go into the Six Nations, and just you know, just get better, get better at every little tiny thing. As Owen was saying, fix the scrum. Make the scrum, uh, you, there are things you can work on. There are set pieces you can work on. Will Rollins is a really, really good young lock. I would love to see him progress. Um, you know, and, and that back line is killer. It's lethal. It should be scoring more points. So, you know, I think, I think um, there's, there is a way to think that through. For Australia, there are mm. big guys coming back, let's be honest. I mean, there are some, there are three players that change. Uh, there's a, a World Player of the Year nominee. Uh, a world um, uh, world rugby team. Uh, I'm sorry, Corabetti. That changes this team. Um, yeah, give the guy yeah. Smith. He's gone. Uh, Quay Cooper is magic still. Uh, Samu Karebi, No one has ever been able to stop him. The 12 channel. No team does. So mm. I, I don't think it's all doom and gloom. I think that pool um, is a lifeline for both of those coaches. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's hope so. We um, we will let you go in just a moment, Owen. But we need to get around harry's been picking a team of the week each each week during the uh during the automation series the spring tour as, as we call it next year next week he's gonna try and pull them all together and try and pick a team of the uh the series and i just say good luck to him so we need to look at this week's um selection don't we don't we harry um and your get team your tongue ready for... Brett, for some interesting pronunciations <laughs> oh what have you done to me what There's have some you Georgians done to on me? there <laughs> oh there is two yeah. well you know your team you you can you can say it this week you can read your team out this week. My, my head is scrambled i don't remember <laughs> <laughs> um you've gone with ethan de groot uh jamie george alan alalato up front Brody Retellick, Nick Frost, the second row, Scott Barrett, Michael Hooper, Kalen Doris, the back row. And then you've gone Aaron Smith and Finn Russell, the halves, Kurtley Aronser, 
Owen Farrell, Len Ikitao, Darcy Graham, the three-quarter line, and the great man, Willie Spiders LaRue at fullback. And then, yep, you've picked a bench with some Georgians in it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I said I, I said the, the, the Georgian hooker and the Georgian lock had to be in yeah. there because they had a 10 for 10 line out against, like I said, a very clever Welsh lineup defense. I'm not uh, seeing a Georgian lock here, mate. I can I can see that you've got Georgie Choski at hooker, and then you've got Andrew Porter, Tug Tug, Tug Furlon, then you've got Itzabeth Papali'i, Fafta oh, Clerk. I meant, yeah, I did. I did Jelly mention Bear the lock. Yeah, and Jordan yeah. Patai. Yeah, right. Yeah. So you're standing by that one two weeks later, no, two, it, two, it was, two days later. Of the of the weeks, <clears throat> this was the most difficult because there actually were a lot of people who stuck out, and yeah. it, it got into like the quality of opposition as well. You know, I thought that's why I picked uh, Jamie George. It was a cameo, but he just did so well off the bench against the All Blacks. Mm. And I was looking for why did the match turn, some of those issues, you know. So how did that happen? And then on the Wallaby side, I wondered, how did they stop the Irish and keep them to only, whatever, 60 rucks? You know, the Irish build 130 rucks normally, and they were only building 60. So that's why Michael Hooper gets the nod there, you know, things Mm. like that. Yeah, yeah. What do you think, Owen? Does it look like a fair team? This this last uh, week just gone. Yeah, yeah, I was kind of doing my mental kind of who, who impressed me at, at Twickenham. Obviously, Dai Ribbons. I don't know if we can steal him as uh, uh, <laughs> or David Ribbons. <laughs> Later on was um, was pretty special. I guess that's the kind of all court game Eddie wants to see from his from his forwards. Uh, I mean, again, Rekiyani's try was one of the best tries I've seen. At oh, it was a cracker, wasn't it? Yeah, it's an absolute. Peach, and I think you know I like Geordie Barrett at, at twelve as well. I think he you know, he clipped over that drop goal, but he's got yeah. he's got power behind him. Again, he's yeah. the sort of this annoying player that could play in about three positions and not look out of place, isn't he? <laughs> it's it, it's, it's interesting that disgustingly talented Barrett boys. Oh yeah, they're annoying. They're it's ridiculous. <laughs> we see too too much. It, it's interesting about Geordie though, Harry, because mid season we remember that the Hurricanes started playing him at twelve, and they. Didn't say it outright, but there was certainly a very strong suggestion that the suggestion was coming from above that they'd yeah. play him at twelve. Uh-huh. And then Ian Foster tried to say, "No, we don't care where he plays. We 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 don't think of him as a 12. And then three months later, it no, looks he, actually looks like they found their inside centre. He played he, he played twelve uh, in schools apparently, um, and and was known as a and first came through. When, when he first came through Canterbury, straight out of school, uh, he was yeah. playing 12 as well. So, yeah, unbelievable family. Can you imagine their backyard games, Owen? Well, well, again, it was it was, was it Kevin, Kevin Barrett, Smiley Barrett, who just said, yeah. oh, final game for is it Taranaki, I'm off to breed some All Blacks. And lo and behold, he just, yeah, he's knocked it Bloody out of the park there, hasn't he? Good, 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 damn, some good genes he's got there. But no, Certainly I think it's, has. it's actually Geordie's power at 12 that just surprised me because yeah. he's quite... He's one nine six. He's tall, fellow. He's he's great at those cross kicks that kind of regathering. But yeah, it's it's his power that is actually to make me think. Yeah, he can play it. He can bank yeah. players. Um, yeah. yeah, good kid. Really interesting player. Really interesting player. Look, we've got a fascinating uh, contest ahead of us this weekend, haven't we? There's no two ways about it. I I don't know how this weekend's going to play out. I, I have a very strong feeling that you're in the same boat. Both our sides are really up and down at the moment. Is a draw a fair result? I don't know. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's good for good for either either coach. No, no, um, no. It's it's very very difficult to call. 
uh, where yeah. the rail yet again bounce off the ropes. Again, they both them fa fairly de desperate. That last ten minutes, if this is still a one-score game, are going to be a horrible for for both sets of fans, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, it really is. It really is. It's been great to chat to you. Thanks so much for uh, for making some time for us uh, in in what will be a busy week for you on R Rugby Pass, I'm sure. Thanks, thanks so much for having a chat to us. No problem. Good to meet you guys. Brilliant. Bye bye. The roar. Harry, fantastic to speak with with Owen Jones. It was uh, great insights into the Welsh game and the parallels with Australia, as I'm sure you've picked up already, are are really quite strong, aren't they? Yeah, I liked how he unwrapped um, the layers, and I think I yeah. think it, it, it helped me, and hopefully helps our listeners understand kind of the predicament and how there's no real easy fix. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly right, exactly right. The Fourth and final week of the uh, of the Autumn Nation series is this weekend. Wales and Australia in Cardiff at two fifteen a.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time, uh, and that's followed by England and South Africa at Twickenham at four thirty a.m. I'm not sure I'm going to last both games this week. I don't think <laughs> I've got it in me. Um, a little bit of news floating around, mate. Um, the World Rugby Team. And players of the year were announced this week. Uh, I, I won't go through the team. Well, I think everyone's seen that, and they've made their um, uh, made made their their judgments and criticisms accordingly. the The women's fifteens player of the year was uh, Ruhe Demont from from New Zealand, and that's very well deserved. The men's fifteens player of the year was Josh Vanderfleer from from Ireland. I must from admit, Johannesburg. From Johannesburg, true, yeah. I must admit I was a little bit surprised that Sexton didn't get that. Yeah, I thought Sexton was the the, the figure looming high over yeah. the whole season. I, th I think, like, so even when Ireland lost in Paris, Sexton wasn't there. And um, I, I've never seen a player have more influence. Like, that New Zealand series, I think Sexton yeah. just was... He was know, brilliant. Looming Absolutely over brilliant. like a giant colossus. And I, and I, so I think... Either way, I mean, Josh had a really great year. I don't think anyone will begrudge him. Uh, that, no. That no, no. And similarly, I don't think anyone will begrudge Wayne Smith being named the, the World Rugby Coach of the Year as well. That just sort of feels like everything he Best. touched uh, okay. turns to yeah. turns to gold. And a shout-out to Charlotte Kaslick, who uh, from the Australian Women's Sevens side picked up the, uh, the, the Women's Sevens Player of the Year as well, and that uh, caps off a... A pretty strong season for Australia on the sevens front, which is which is great to see. Um, a little bit of signing news, mate, um, and there's been a little bit of this happening over the last few weeks, which has been great to see. Matt Kvezic, um from ex, ex Gloucester, Exeter, England flanker, is joining Zebra in England in Italy. I beg your pardon for the for the rest of the year um, after his Worcester contract was obviously ruled null and void. And as I say, he's now the the 21st Worcester player to find a new home. We mentioned Fergus Lee Warner, the ex-Western Force um, back rower. He joined Bath a few weeks ago as well. So it's good to see these guys from, from, from Worcester are now getting around to other clubs. Mm. And and in the case of Matt uh, Kvesic, he, he's very much holding hope that, that Worcester can can come back and he'll be on the first plane back. So we, uh, we wish him well all there. Crusaders coach Scott Robinson has reportedly held talks with the RFU in England about succeeding Eddie Jones as, as England boss. The Daily Mail reported over the weekend that Robinson had been in London for the past fortnight and is, is reportedly the preferred candidate on the RFU's shortlist. Make of that what you will. 
the follow-on to that is, and Owen mentioned it, Georgina Robinson reported in the Sydney Morning Herald on Monday that Eddie Jones is on the brink of agreeing to an eight-year deal to coach the U- the US Eagles after being headhunted by US rugby to take them through to the 20, 2031 World Cup. And, I mean, Georgia's keen, Australia's maybe keen, but eight years in the US as a, as a rebuild job just has Eddie Jones' name written all over it, doesn't it? Dude, that's a perfect fit. Yeah, Eddie, is. Eddie, Eddie is a really talented guy. So don't get me wrong mm. when I touch him. He's not good at the front runner status. He's not good at having everything he needs. He's actually better as the underdog. It fits his personality. If you read yeah. his books, I've read both of his books. He's such a chip on my shoulder. I'm against the establishment. I'm, I'm yeah. all the way up. And his personality will translate yeah. perfectly just, uh, to, the, yeah. to the, the U.S. ears. He is so brash. And yeah. so out there, they love all that. They'll eat it up. We're just, I'm, we're just doing what we can, mate. We're just battlers here in America, mate. Yeah, that's what it'll be like. That's what it'll be like. Uh, the box have, will lose six players ahead of the England test this weekend. That's all guys going back to French clubs, isn't it? That will be fine. We'll smash them. This is going to be a Murhala match. Yeah, we're not going to mess around anymore. This is just going to be England on their bum. Yeah, yeah, right. So you've 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 had ten months of warm up, and now no, this is the main young game. players. Is that what you're some young players cooking right now. If Mani Libok gets to play, that yeah. thing is and Mani together was making everything sing. Uh, tries at will. I think what's going to be it's going to be a rude shock for England about how much they've regressed and how much South Africa has actually kept quality and added some yeah. young talent. Um, but no, there's no excuses about players in, out. You know, box have 50 good players. They're just going to mm. find the right on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Be, be a bit of a throwback to old Cheetah's days with Money Libok and <laughs> Vili LaRue. Yeah, uh, and um, and TJ Perinara, um, uh, we are talking about, you know, Achilles injuries earlier, um, confirmed he's ruptured his Achilles last weekend against England. Um, he's going to be out for... Nearly nine months, probably won't play Super Rugby next next year, nor will Tanila Tupo. That's and horrible, man. That's, that's it's, one of my it's favorite horrible, players. particularly he, at, at that age. Yeah. He made it all the way back, and you just thought, you thought, man, this guy's going to be in the World Cup again, and no, I think no. Yeah. No, I'm not sure that he will. I'm not sure that he will now. But that is episode 45 of the Raw Rugby Podcast behind us. Don't forget Harry and I are both on the socials. And do leave us a rating or a review if you've enjoyed what we've thrown out on the pod this year. It all helps. The boffins keep telling us. So uh, do that if you have the means on your pod platform of choice. The Thursday 2-Up is back this week, uh, and we will be back as well with Jim Tucker on Sunday morning Australian time as well with another Instant Reaction pod after the Wales Wallabies test in Cardiff. So don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe on your pod platform, and you'll ensure that that new episode drops into your notifications as soon as it goes live. It's the Raw Rugby Podcast with me, Brett McKay, and Harry Jones every week on theraw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate, the home of all your favourite international rugby analysis, opinions, and conversations. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back in your ears next week. Sexy mustache, Brett. Come play with us.